0: Every year brings change. And change is good. It helps us release the old and walk into something new. And God has something new for the church, for you, for our culture, and for your priorities. Revelation 21:5 says, "Behold, I am making all things new." 2 Corinthians 5:17 the old is gone and the new is here. The series called New is all about how God is making us new and how we can help to make people and places new all around us. I know it's been a long week, but good morning. I'm happy to see you My name is Sarah. I'm the spiritual formation pastor here at new community church if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet So pumped you're here with us this morning I'm excited about bringing God's word to you this morning as we're wrapping up this series called new We started a couple weeks ago talking about a new you That although we kind of like to get stuck in our ways, God is continually making us new. This is a theme throughout scripture. It's a theme over our church, that God wants to make us new. And so the second week we talked about that, about the new church, the new vision, the fresh vision God gives to his church, always moving us forward. And then last week we heard an amazing message um, from a few different speakers, one of whom was my daughter, so of course you know I loved it, uh, about a new culture, that we're not designed to just take in the culture that we live in. God gives us a new culture that we actually spread as we are out and about and living and following Jesus. And today we're talking about new priorities. This is like where the rubber meets the road, right? This is where we hear all of this and we go, all right, how do we put this into practice in our day-to-day lives? And so I don't know what priorities means to you, But I threw it out on Facebook a couple days ago just to see what people had to say. And so when I said, hey, what does the word priority mean to you? Here are a few answers I got. Being regarded or treated as more important, set as high importance over other things, making sacrifices where needed in order to be more intentional where needed, something or someone I pay attention and devote time, energy, and heart to, what matters most, something I make time for. So you can kind of see the consistent theme, right, of, of what priorities means to us in general. When I think about new priorities, the first thing that came to my mind was when we had our first baby, our first biological son, Josiah. Um, and if you have had a baby, you know what I'm, what I'm going for here, right? So Aaron and I had only been married a little over a year, and we have this little baby boy and bring him home, and instantly life looks different. Things that used to matter don't matter anymore, right? Like, I don't need that office. That's a nursery now. And, you know, I don't need sleep. Sleep's great, but I got plenty in college, so now I'm awake most of the night. I don't need clothes for myself. My kid needs to look fresh and look like he is wearing the nicest shoes that he'll never even walk in, but he's got them on. Like, our priorities change. We hit the reset button, right? And this happens. We have these moments throughout our lives where, we get married or we start a relationship or we go to college or we start a career, and it's like we hit the reset button on our priorities, our what, what matters to us, how we invest our time, our money, what that looks like in the day-to-day changes. And what I would present this morning is that when we choose to follow Jesus, when we say my life is no longer mine, that's one of those life moments where we hit the reset button on our priorities, where all of a sudden we take other things off of the throne that only Jesus should be on. And we say, all right, rearrange my life, right? So I would say that having new priorities means putting God first in our lives. Having um, new pri- Putting God first in our lives, that's, that's what having new priorities means. Now, Let's go into the word priorities because you know me. Y'all know me if you've been here a while. You know I'm a word nerd, right? Okay? I was an English major in college, so you know there's no way I'm going to talk to you this morning and not tell you something about this word. So, of course, I did a historical study on the origin of the word priority. I know you're all just like chomping at the bit for this information. But you can go home today at least knowing I learned something new. So the word priority was actually first used in the 14th century to mean the fact or condition of being prior. Prior, priority, right? Prior. And then in the next century, the 15th century, it took on a bit of a, a new meaning, meaning like further ahead. Not just first, not just prior, but like ahead, further ahead of other things. And then a dictionary from 1897 is the first definition we see of the state or fact of coming first in order of time. So, Priority literally means first. That's where it came from, first. First in line, first in order, further ahead. So not until the 20th century did the word priority actually start to connect to values and actually start to be used to to say it's a reflection of the order of importance of things in our lives, the way that we use it today. So having new priorities, what comes first, means putting God first, right? When we hit that reset button, we say we're going to follow Jesus now. Our new priorities mean God is first in our lives. And sometimes I think when we approach this, we think of priorities as a list, right? Some people actually gave me a list, like here are my priorities. You think of like the plaque that goes on your wall. It's faith, it's family, it's friends in that order, okay? Or it may be like God and then marriage and then kids and then fun, whatever. We think of this list, but I would posit a a different idea, and that's that when we choose to follow Jesus, we actually only have one priority. There's no other thing on the list, and that is him, our relationship with him. So he goes right to the top of the list. Jesus becomes first, and everything else in our lives flows from that relationship. There's not a list. There is no list. He is the list. He is the very first and most important thing in our lives when we say we have new priorities and we're putting him first. So what does that look like practically? I I told you I'm gonna go practical today. So we're gonna go to the word. because I think we're all trying to put God first, right? We, We aim to do this when we're following Jesus when we have faith. But let's see what the Bible has to say about what that looks like in the scriptures. And so if you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter four, we're gonna start reading in verse 18. And if you're worshiping online with us this morning, I encourage you get out your Bible, get out your phone, Get out a tablet and engage with the scriptures with us. Let's participate in this together because we do want scripture to shape our lives. We want to be engaging with this, not just watching, but also just engaging with the scriptures on our own. So you can go to the NCC app. You can go to the Bible app, whatever. Let's all engage with scripture together. And before we read this, would you do me a favor? Would you stand up to your feet? And if you're worshiping online, if you can, stand up to your feet. We're going to go a little old school. So... The scripture is the ultimate authority of our lives, yes? Yes. So we're gonna pray this morning that God would challenge us from his scripture and I want you to pray with me. I want us to lift up, if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, lift it up and let's pray together that God would challenge us from his word. Lord, thank you for your word. It is grounding us. It is continually showing us who you are and who you've made us to be. And so this morning I ask, Lord, that you would come and challenge me with your word, Lord change me do what you said in your word that you would cut down into the deepest parts of us lord and and change us into more and more of who you've made us to be god we ask you to come and meet us here open our ears to hear what you have to say in jesus name we pray amen amen thanks you can grab your seat so matthew chapter 4 verse 18 says while walking by the sea of galilee and followed him. So putting God first, having these new priorities, first I think it means we leave the old behind. Putting God first means leaving the old behind. Now you're probably probably familiar with this story, right? But pause a minute and put yourself into this story. Insert yourself into the middle. Where do you work? A shop, an office, okay? You're at work or, or stay-at-home parents, you're at home, And Jesus walks in and says, come and follow me, and turns and walks back out. What do you do? Like, you know there's going to be consequences for your actions, right? If you're at work, you're going to lose your job. You're at least going to get written up. Um, People are probably going to think you're a little odd. Uh, Your family might say you're irresponsible. But this is exactly what the disciples were faced with. They left their, profe- their profession, their way of making money, their livelihood. They, they left their families. They left the old behind to follow after Jesus. And lest you think it's just about the disciples, if you look through the scriptures, we see this theme over and over and over again. Abraham is called to leave his homeland. He packs up his entire family and moves and doesn't even know where he's going. God just says, head on out. And he's like, all right. And he packs himself up and heads out and leaves the old behind, right? You see, um, Joseph, who has these great dreams and spends so much time in prison and persecuted, his dreams go to the back burner. He's got to let go of that stuff until God brings it to fruition. You've got Moses, who's out in the desert, minded in a, his own business, being a shepherd, and God calls him out of that comfort, out of predictability, to go lead a people who most of the time won't even listen to him, Right? David, David, you think David would be good. He got anointed as king. Things look great for him. And then he spends almost a decade running from the king who's existing, who he served, who's trying to kill him. So over and over and over you see that the people of God, we have to leave our expectations, leave the old, leave the things that we thought were the purpose in our lives behind. And if you're in this room and you're like, yeah, Sarah, great, all these new Christians, listen up. I've already done that. This is not a one-time decision, is it? No, because we have this tendency as human beings to pick up old things, right? And actually, I'm very fascinated by by human psychology and behavioral psychology. And so this is actually something that's commonly known. And so psychologists and researchers, they, they say that there's actually these two sort of different systems that operate in your mind at all times. System 1 and System 2, this is what one of these books I read, kind of labels them for us. And so what this looks like in the day-to-day is whenever you're experiencing something, it's called your experiencing self. That's the person that's in the moment, feeling the feelings and hearing the things. But then the other portion of your mind is this remembering self. This is the one that looks back and captures the memory and remembers it, but your, your mind has a little bit of a glitch. So your remembering self it has these preferences, and it's proven scientifically. Basically, your memory is going to remember the peak emotional experience of something and the end, but not the middle. And so what this means is that you could be on a great vacation, right, with your family, week of vacation, and you're on the beach one day and you lose your kid for 15 minutes, and you are panicked, freaking out, running everywhere, searching, and you find him. And vacation goes on. And then you're getting to the end of your vacation. You get home, and the airline loses your luggage. What are you going to remember about that vacation? The vacation we almost lost Bobby, and we lost our luggage. Like, you you could have been there for six and a half blissful days, but your mind is going to remember things in a really skewed fashion. And that's what we do. We continually return to these memories, and our brain alters them a little bit. So what this looks like for me is, I forget how messed up my life was before Jesus. I start to kind of candy coat things. And I probably wouldn't say this out loud, but it becomes easy for me to kind of take the wheel back from Jesus every now and then, right? Like I came in a crisis and said, Lord, have it all. But then now I'm like, I've got some of this stuff figured out. Like I can do some of this on my own. But no, leaving the old behind It takes a daily effort, right? Like it's not a one-time thing. It's something we continually have to commit to because our lives don't belong to us anymore. Just like Abraham laid his son Isaac on the altar, we have to lay our lives down daily and surrender ourselves to him. Our priorities, making money or getting that promotion or our kids getting into that school, buying that house, whatever that list was, it's gone now. And we live for him and him alone. He is the only purpose, the only priority in our day to day lives. He's the only name on the list. And we follow him no matter what the cost. We leave the old behind. Putting on first also means it means following Jesus day in and day out. Following him day in and day out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, seeing the crowds, Jesus, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. A couple chapters later, Matthew 8, 1, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Matthew 8, 23, then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. You get the picture. He goes up on the mountain, they follow. He comes down the mountain, they follow. He gets into a boat, they follow. They are following him day in and day out everywhere he goes. In fact, multiple times you see Jesus has to get up super early in the morning just to get away and have some time by himself to pray because he is constantly being followed. And we don't really have a context for this type of cultural thing in our world. So here's my best effort. Have you ever followed someone in your car? Like you're going in a group thing, a caravan, and you have to follow someone to a restaurant or somewhere. Yes? Yes. Follow someone. Okay. Now, I say, I'm a great person to follow, okay? I'm gonna pay attention to the lights so that I don't push through a yellow and you get stuck on the red, right? I'm gonna like look in my rearview mirrors all the time to make sure that you're right behind me. I'm not saying Aaron's terrible to follow, but he doesn't do those things, okay? So if you're following him, you're screwed. Just look it up on your GPS. You're never gonna catch up with him. But even this last trip we took up to Illinois, my older kids were driving the car behind us, and I'm so committed to this that I memorized what their lights looked like in the dark, so I knew when they were right behind me, okay? I'm pretty easy to follow. But what happens when you're following someone and you get distracted? So maybe you see that billboard with an ice-cold Coca-Cola and the condensation rolling down the side, And because your husband runs bathroom breaks like a military sergeant, you haven't had anything to drink in a while, and you remember you're thirsty, and you look up, and he's gone, right? And you can't figure out where he is. And now, in modern-day technology, we're looking up GPS, find my iPhone to find him again. Following someone takes effort, right? It takes vigilance. You have to stay on it all the time, day in and day out. But we're not talking about, you know, just driving down the road. We're talking about daily life. And in Hebrew culture, they actually had this saying that I think is so amazing. And it said, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And it's like that idea that you follow him so closely that as dust flies up when he's walking, it's actually falling on you. And it was also symbolic that the teachings that he's teaching are just falling on you all of the time. That's the level of commitment to following Jesus that we should have. And it takes effort, it takes vigilance, it takes daily paying attention to what we're doing. And for me, I think this all switched uh, about a decade ago. I started being mentored by someone and she says, she calls us living in the plural. Living in the plural. Now, again, I'm an English teacher, so little refresher. Plural means more than one. Okay, singular one. Plural means more than one. So it's that you don't do anything alone. You're never alone. Everything you do is plural. It's you and Jesus. You didn't brush your teeth this morning. You and Jesus brushed your teeth this morning. You didn't argue with your spouse on the way to work or the church this morning. You and Jesus, well, Jesus probably didn't argue with your spouse, but you get the point. You do everything with Jesus in the day-to-day, and when we start to realize this, we start to see Jesus in our day-to-day lives, and it becomes easier for us to continually follow after him. Putting God first means following Jesus all day long. It means taking time to reconnect to him in your workday. Not just rushing from thing to thing to thing, from meeting to meeting to meeting, but pausing. It's more than 15 minutes of devotions in the morning. It's before you make that decision about your job, you pause. Jesus, how do you feel about this? What do you think? As you feel anxiety creeping up when you get that bill in the mail, you pause and you speak those things out to the only person who's actually capable of carrying them for you. Before you make that financial choice, you say, man, I need to take time and see, God, what do you think about this? What has your word had to say? Lord, before we go to social media or the next podcast or a leadership book, we go to the word and say, what wisdom have you already given me, Lord, that's going to guide me and lead me in this decision? Following Jesus, it's not complicated, but it is challenging because we have to stay on top of it all of the time. Again... Not a one-time decision. P- putting God first means following Jesus day in and day out. Putting God first also means valuing what He values. Putting God first, having these new priorities means valuing what He values. What does Jesus value? We'll just hit a couple things here, but Matthew chapter 14 verse 15 says, "Now when it was the evening, Jesus' disciples, they came to him and said, "This is a desolate place. The day's over." send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus says, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. All right. So a little bit later, Matthew chapter 19, 14, Jesus says, let the children come to me. The disciples are shooing the kids away. They're not important enough. He says, let them come. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus valued people. He valued people. People were not tools for him to accomplish something on earth they were his purpose they weren't something that was annoying that kept him from his work they were his work he valued people they were important to him he invested his life into people jesus also valued time more than he valued money matthew chapter 6 verse 19 says Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." Now, is it just coincidence that the the verses after this talk about being caught up in worry? Nope. Jesus saw that time was more valuable than money. There's this quote, money can come and go, but time can only go. Once it is gone, it is gone. You cannot make more time. You can make more money. You cannot make more time. What is your time worth to you? because we have this cultural issue and when I use the word culture I mean it intentionally we have put busy as a God in our culture why would I say that why don't I exercise I'm just so busy why don't I date my spouse anymore why don't you guys go out we're just busy you know the kids baseball schedule and like why don't I serve in my community I'm I'm so busy I have so much on my plate at work the list goes on and on and on. When we hear someone's busy, it's almost like a respect we have for them. Look how important they are, how busy they are. Jesus never rushed anywhere. Jesus wasn't busy, was he? But we have this issue. We, we constantly say we don't have time for the things that are important to us. The truth of the matter is they're just not as important as we think they are or we want to say they are. Because all of us have 168 hours every week. The playing field here is even, you guys. We have 168 hours every single week to invest how we want to. And no one else has control over that but you. Your spouse doesn't control that. Your kids don't control that. Your boss doesn't control that. You control how you invest your time. So how are you investing your time? Let me show you this. This is a little spreadsheet of how I invested some of my time last week. Now I can't even fit my whole day. That's like half of my day on there in 15 minute increments. This is an exercise called a 168 hours exercise. So you actually go through and you see, how did I spend my time? Now, whether I like it or not, this shows me what I value, doesn't it? Because that's where I chose to spend my time. And I can make excuses all day long and say, All those Z's on Saturday morning, no judging, y'all. No judging. All those Z's on Saturday morning, could I have gotten up and and slipped in another run? Sure could have, but I didn't because I value my sleep too. So that's what I value, right? And whether you like it or not, where your time and your money go, that's what you value. That is what you value. And there's this law called um, Parkinson's Law. If you're not familiar, it basically says, that anything you do will take the time that you give it. Any work will fill the amount of space you accommodate. Now, let me give you a practical example of this. So my daughter may say it takes her 45 minutes to get ready in the morning. Any of you have that person or any of you that person? Like it just takes me a long time to wake up and get ready. But then the morning her friend picks her up, she sleeps in, and 15 minutes later she's out the door. How'd she get ready in 15 minutes that day? Because she wanted to. So work fills the amount of time that we give it. You may say something takes longer. You may say you don't have time to disciple your kids. You may say you don't have time to read the Bible. You got 15 minutes somewhere. I promise you do. It's just a matter of valuing what Jesus values. When we hit reset and we have new priorities, we value what God values. There's so many more. He valued family over fortune. He valued community over being comfortable, but as we dig into the word, we can see over and over again that sometimes our values and God's values don't match up. That should shoot something off in your mind. Lord, in order to follow you and in order to put you first, I need to value what you value. Lastly, putting God first means accepting his assignment, accepting his assignment. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' final command, the last thing that he says to his followers before his earthly body leaves the earth. Putting God first means accepting his assignment to make disciples That's his assignment for us. Our faith is not for us alone. You you don't follow Jesus so we can have a great comfy life and we don't have any problems. Our faith is for other people. This is not a one-man marathon. This is a relay race. And we are charged with passing on every good and perfect thing God gives to us to people who will follow. That's our charge, to go and make disciples. Unless we say we have no idea how to do that, just a couple chapters later, we see a a really good picture. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted, they being the followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Guys, we can so overcomplicate this, can't we? We hear the word disciple and our brain like freaks out like we're being asked to explain the theory of relativity. It's really not that complicated. They ate together. They prayed together. They shared their lives and their stuff. They worshiped together. This is what it looks like for us to make disciples and to be discipled is to live life together, to learn how to follow Jesus together. So if it's not complicated, why aren't we doing it? Why does it seem like this is so hard for us to understand? Honestly, I think that we don't understand the real mission for our lives sometimes. If I asked you, why do you wake up every day? Like, what is the mission? What do you want to accomplish every day of your life? What comes to mind? Are you just a secretary? Are you just a teacher? A business owner, just a mechanic? Or are you a discipler? Like when we come to Jesus, maybe it doesn't change what we do, like the work we do, it changes how we do what we do. Every day, every interaction, every person I'm talking to, every coworker I have a conversation with, every business that I'm interacting with is a chance for me to make disciples, to share what God has given me and to pass that on. To other people that i'm interacting with the purpose of my life is to make disciples this is the charge that god has given us this is our assignment that he has left us with not to make money not to build bigger houses all that stuff is fine but if we're missing the entire point the whole purpose of our lives our reason for being it's all going to be fruitless it's all going to feel fruitless because he has assigned us something that resonates deep inside of us. It's what we were made for, and when I accept this assignment, I'm willing to rearrange my life. I'm willing to reset my priorities, and to say, God, whatever this looks like, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do, because I'm committed. Having new priorities means putting God first. See, when Aaron and I, when we had Josiah, all of our life changed, right? Everything looked different. Everything looked different. How we spent our time, where we spent our money, where we lived, it all hit a reset button. Because we had this little person in our lives that was depending on us, and we were willing to change anything to take care of him. That's the level of commitment we bring when we put God first. God, I'm willing to do anything. And sometimes when we start a relationship with Jesus, it's like we think we're just adding something to our life. Like this is another club or another hobby that I belong to. But following Jesus, honestly, is a lot more about subtraction sometimes than it is about addition. It's about looking at our lives and saying, God, what do I need to take my hands off of? What am I holding on to and clinging to? that is keeping me from following you. So if you would, if you would bow your head and close your eyes, we're gonna pray together. Having new priorities, is putting God first, it's leaving the old behind, it's following Jesus day in and day out, valuing what he values and accepting his assignment. And in Matthew chapter seven, there's a story that Jesus tells about the end times when People come together and they say, God, look at all the great things I did for you. Look at all this stuff that I did. And he looks at them and says, I never knew you. I never knew you. The Sarah version is, You were all about religion. You never had a relationship with me. And guys, how scary that we could sit in church year after year doing what we think are good things, and never having a relationship with our Savior, never seeing the reset button that he wants to push on our lives and the beautiful lives he wants to build if we would just take everything else off of the place that only Jesus belongs on. So if that's you today, you're like, honestly, I'm great at church. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or no, I I don't even know what I'm doing right now but I know I need that reset. I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I need to put him first and be willing to lay everything else aside. I'm gonna pray with you. I just want you to to pray after me. And if other words come to you that you wanna pray, you pray your own words to Jesus, but let's commit this morning together and everyone say this together after me. Jesus, I come to you. You are my savior. You are the one that I need. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I need you to reset my priorities. I need you to forgive my sin. I need to restore my relationship with you. So come and take leadership of my life. I give you control, I lay it down, everything is yours. Come and lead me every day, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, if you prayed that prayer today, will you please text us and let us know because like we've talked about following Jesus, it takes intentionality. It takes some work and we don't want you to do that alone there's a number on the screen you text it it's pretty simple but please don't walk out don't walk away from the screen without texting us and letting us know so we can resource you but everybody else in this room i promised you i'd be practical right i'm a practical girl so i'm going to give you a few action steps hopefully you have something to write on or a notebook or a phone or something and you can choose if one of these pops out at you that you're like, this is the one, or you need to do all of these very simple, practical ways to assess whether your priorities are in line with the way that God wants you to have them. So this week, take a mental inventory, grab a sheet of paper, take 15 minutes, and write down what old or temporary things are you holding on to? What are things that you know have a way of creeping onto that altar in your life where only Jesus should be? Write those things on a piece of paper, rip them up, put it in the trash. If you need to do that every day until it's no longer feeling like they're weighing on you, keep that list and tear it up every single day because those things are keeping you from your relationship with Jesus. Follow Jesus, set an alarm on your phone a few times throughout your day, yes, even your work day. And when that alarm goes off, just stop, five minutes. Acknowledge that Jesus is with you, talk to him. Ask him how you're, how you're doing. How's your day going? Talk to him about a decision you have to make. Just become present to his presence. Realize that he is with you. Value his value. Map out your 168 hours. Not too difficult. Get a spreadsheet. Put it on Google or print it out and map out your time. How are you spending your time? Keep track. You might be surprised by some things that seem really valuable when you look at your time and you really don't want them to be there. And last accept his assignment guys we're taking this really seriously as a church this is our mission as a church is to make disciples and so if you've never been discipled you're like honestly i i don't know what this looks like in the day-to-day there are people in this body of believers that are here to help you to walk alongside of you that will open up their lives and allow you in and so reach out to one or two people that you trust that you know in this church and say, hey, would you disciple me? I want to walk alongside of someone. I want you to show me what this looks like. If you're here and you're part of NCC and you're like, honestly, I've been following Jesus for a long time. I could disciple someone. I could open my life. I'm going to have to change some things around. I might have to take some hours off of, of work, of overtime over the weekend, whatever that means. But I'm willing to commit to make disciples. If you want to make disciples, you can sign up on our website. You, can, website. you can talk to me or Aaron or one of the staff members about how to sign up to make disciples. But let's take this seriously. Let's, let's commit together. It's not a staff initiative. It's, not, it's a church initiative. That's we are the church. All of us are in this together. To make a 1,000 disciples It's going to take every single one of us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you, God, for showing us how to live. God, thank you for trusting your legacy to us. You left us this assignment to make disciples, and we can't do that if we don't put you first. Rearrange our priorities, God, that you would be the only one we're living for. Help us, God, daily to set the other things down, to leave the old behind, to follow after you and value what you value, because we want the world to be different, God. We want to follow you, and to accept your assignment. Come and do your work in us, Lord, and and make the world different through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.